Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome back to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L. J. LaFiora. And alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a belly-up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how are you doing here on what I believe is your last night in Syracuse, New York? LJ, my last night in Syracuse. New York until uh, August, the middle of August, about three months from now. Uh, you know, it's been a fun ride here during my, my freshman year. Uh, COVID and all, a lot of fun, met a lot of really, really fun people here. And, uh, you know, the time really has flown. It feels like it was just yesterday that I that I was moving in here. But, um, yeah, it'll be nice. I'll be back. Uh, me and LJ will be back in the same spot once again. We'll get back to in-person recording, which LJ, just I cannot wait to be sitting next to you and just actually being able to talk baseball to, you know, you in person, not having to look at you through a camera anymore. Yeah, I mean, you're coming and you're coming back on such a great weekend for sports. I mean, not only do you have baseball, you've got the start of the NBA playoffs. You've got Taylor Ramirez on Saturday night. You've got Monaco on Sunday morning. I mean, what more could you ask for? Monaco is going to be very fun. Um, we got the PGA Championship this oh, week. Right. Golf as well. So, you know, we certainly picked a great weekend uh, here uh, 
or I picked a great weekend to come back. Thank you, Syracuse, for ending your classes, but uh, like that. But yes, I do have one final left to go. Uh, people will be uh, listening to this on Friday. Uh, I might be in my final while you're listening to this. So, uh, but yeah, uh, excited to be back. Great sports weekend. We got some really fun MLB series that we're going to talk about as well. And uh, LJ, today was Thursday, a bit of a travel day. We had, I believe, 11 total games with 20 teams in action. We had one doubleheader. Uh, shall we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. I think, yeah, I certainly have our best or second best story of the day. We actually get to talk about the privilege of talking about what so far has been the story of the year today. But let's get into the preliminary story so far. Early. Yes, and uh, right before I get into those stories, um, this is our week seven recap. Uh, after today's games on Thursday completed, we are now seven full weeks into the MLB season. LJ and I are going to be talking about some teams that are hot, some teams that are not. We're going to run through all the divisions and their leaders. And um, I have an extended leaderboard segment. So this should be a great show. Let's get into it with the D-backs and the Dodgers. In the bottom of the second, the machine goes yard. Albert Pujols, his sixth home run of the year, his first with the L.A. Dodgers. That makes it a 2-0 game. In the top of the sixth, Eduardo Escobar keeps his very good season going with his 11th home run of the year, and that ties the game at two. Will Smith with a solo shot in the bottom of the seventh. That makes it three to two Dodgers, and that's your final score. He comes up with the big hit in this one. Give the win to Victor Gonzalez out of the uh, Dodgers bullpen. They went with a bullpen game tonight. David Price got the start going two clean innings. The loss to Merrill Kelly, now two and five on the year for Arizona. Seven innings, six hits, three runs, and 12 Ks. Kenley Jansen with his 10th save on the year. Los Angeles travels to San Francisco for a huge weekend series against the Giants. Trevor Bauer will face Alex Wood today. Arizona plays Colorado with Seth Frankoff versus Herman Marquez. LJ, me and you have been talking for, it seems like two weeks now about this a Dodgers-Giants series, and it's finally here. Yeah, I mean, could they have put themselves into a better situation here with the um, Reds? We're not in that. Mm-hmm. We are not in that recap. I got a little distracted there, but no, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this. I think both teams have put themselves in a very good position to make this a very competitive uh, series this weekend. Hopefully gives us something to talk about and fight into going into next weekend series as well. All right. We got the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. My favorite recap every night. Some of the most ridiculous hits I've seen in a while, which I'll get into later, got the Blue Jays two runs in the first. Come the second, two runners on, cues up a piss missile for Throbert Dahlbeck. I had to go to a a staff meeting with the Sox up 5-3 as they go on to add three more runs or two more runs after Dahlbeck's piss missile in that second inning. I go to a staff meeting, meet some of the interns, chat it up with all of our big friends from corporate, being LJ corporate over here. I have to go go wine and dine. Um, anyway, I come back to this game with a 7-5 to five deficit achieved by an error in five hits. Brandon, it was like um, 
I'm sure you're familiar with that meme of Donald Glover where he's in the community where he walks back into the apartment with the pizzas and he's like, hey, I got the pizzas and everything's on fire. That's yeah. pretty much what I walked into as I turn the, I turn the game back on and we've got seven, five bases loaded. Hirokazu Samura is getting pulled from the game. But the score holds until the top of the ninth where Throbby D and Michael Chavis get on with singles before the most uncompetitive 3-2 strikeout I've ever seen in my life by Kike Hernandez. What are you doing, man? He gets up. I, I don't even think it was 3-0. I think it was 3-1. And Brandon, I kid you not, in those last two pitches, which were both strikes, it looked like he was trying to find a pitch not to swing at. It was, it was absolutely awful. And I was about to, I was about to drive to Philadelphia to chew him out before the next series. If it weren't for a wild pitch, which moved the runners over and one scores off the bat of Alex Verdugo before as per usual, JD Martinez is walking to the plate and it qualifies as an image taken seconds before disaster. He clutches a two run, go ahead, piss missile to right center the Red Sox win eight to seven. Give the win to Phillips Valdez. The loss will be going to Rafael. Don't have confidence, Dolis. And the save to Matt Barnes is 10th on the year. Brandon, this was the Red Sox first series in Dunedin this year. Hopefully only series in Dunedin. I can't remember when they're moving back to Buffalo, but this is by no means a major league setup. I, I had no clue it could be this bad. Have, have you watched many games from the Yankees down there so far? Did they have any? Yeah, we had one series. Um, let me just say that when the Yankees usually play in Tropicana Field, I think that those series are, are boring to watch on TV. I just think that the color scheme of Tropicana does not sit well with the eyes, especially in that very bland-looking dome. I love Trump. Dunedin is – it's it's a single-A field, right? Like, I'm pretty it's sure – It's a spring training facility, so it's lower than that. It's rookie during the year. So it's a rookie ball field that – I mean, it's okay. It's not the worst. It's not it's- at all in a, a professional setup, and here's why. First off, I'm not sure what their strategy is for taking care of this, but whether it was the humidity or if it was the amount of consistent rain they get in Florida, but I'm not sure if you know, had this issue. The dirt was packed down as hard as it could be. Brandon, it was like concrete. Like it, the ball bounced like concrete, particularly tonight because of how like wet, or I'm not sure if it's wet or hard it is. Like it genuinely makes me give those stats we were talking about with Biggio and Bichette a little more of a pass because I can understand how the, the hops that they're getting off this field are incredibly difficult to field. I can understand why they're struggling with them. And the same thing with what ultimately could have cost them, probably did cost them the game today, was this wild pitch. You got one out and runners on first and second. You have a ball thrown into the dirt that Danny Jansen did his best to get in front of and just couldn't get there. 
it just bounced it bounced right up off of him rolled up on most well put together fields that doesn't happen no. and then, then then you have runners runners with force outs and so that ground ball that ground ball that drove in the run is probably a double play the game's over um I mean, I'm just happy that Toronto does have somewhere to play right now. But with that said, they should really look into moving back to to Buffalo pretty soon. Yes. Well, I would also like to know who on earth thought it was a good idea to put a team directly in Dunedin. Brendan, I'm not sure if you're, you're familiar with your geography of the state of florida or geography of the tampa bay area this is just this is just north of clearwater um dunedin itself is like a little town that's about two to three blocks worth of or of land not two three blocks but a very small piece of land very close to the coast this this ballpark's almost right next to the coast of florida which explains a lot a lot of the wind this has been a this was a problem all series where the red sox um well per, that a lot of people blame that first loss on the energy and momentum of this game i didn't hear this until recently um rafael devers hit something that just about every both um play-by-play people on both sides thought was a no doubt or home run that the wind carried back and dropped it about 30 feet before the wall. Um, today, more, more specifically, I mentioned there was just really wonky hits that just like shouldn't have got like guys looked like they were like taking the right path to the ball. And then it just went flying over their head and hit off the wall and stuff. It was just so bizarre because it's like a wind tunnel in there. You can tell just watching it. Yeah. And you know, I don't know whose idea it was, but obviously it's hard to find them a spot to play, especially with COVID and everything going on with the border. But an outdoors field in Florida, like, you know, I mean, LJ, uh, me and you have both been to Florida enough to know that there will be times where it will rain for 20 minutes, the hardest you've ever seen it, and that's it for the whole day. But everything is washed out at that point. Hmm. This is just, this is far from the ideal situation for any professional team to be playing in. They'll be happier once they're able to get back up to Buffalo and eventually Toronto. Um, One last thing I wanted to mention on the Sox before we move on. Brennan, did you see what happened in the interview the other day with Kike Hernandez? I did not. You were talking about this quite a bit, though, so I am, I'm very intrigued. All right, so not last night, but the night before, he comes off the IL, is a triple away from the cycle. Okay. He gets inter- the interview press conference at the end. Somebody asks, um, I'm not sure who it was. Um, I'm looking at the Alex Spear tweet right now for the exact wording, but they, uh, he was, Kike Hernandez was asked about returning from the injured list with a bang. He responds with, I like bangs. I like to bang. It was very nice. Mm. I can't remember the, mo- the most recent sexual, uh, blatant sexual innuendo in a press conference that I have heard in my life. That's, that's so Kike. I love him. 
he is he is a love machine this is the only thing i can keep bringing in my head remember the uh episode of friends where they go up to the lake house and the guy's doing that old song i'm a love machine i'm a love machine that that all of a sudden as soon as he said i like to bang it was very nice first thing that popped into my head and i'm like yeah that's 110 percent what happens in the locker room before every single game yeah i mean it's he's a guy who we talked about just a couple days into the season i remember we we told an episode is 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 kike hernandez better than mike trout and we said that because he was beating Mike Trout on the, the jersey sales list at that point. So certainly a guy who I think we all kind of knew that once he signed with, with Boston was going to be immediately very popular. And look, he has a great personality. Uh, I think that that's great for, for that Boston sports market to get a guy like him. That's because Kike likes to bang Brandon. Well, shall we move on to our next game? Yes, but just remember that. The Giants and the Reds. This was an interesting one. Taking a 1-0 lead into the top of the third, the Giants scored nine runs, notably from a Steven Duggar grand slam and Darren Ruff home run. San Francisco, not finished. They add four runs each in the fifth and seventh inning getting home runs from Brandon Crawford and Evan Longoria. The Giants route the Reds 19-4, to the most runs by a team in a game this season so far. Johnny Cueto with the W for San Francisco, now 3-1 on the year, five hits, or five innings, five hits, one run in four Ks. The loss to Tyler Molly, now 2-2, two and two. two innings, seven hits, seven runs in two Ks. San Francisco has won five in a row. They have the best record in the bigs at 28 and 16. Of course, they have the big series with Los Angeles today, and they put themselves in a prime position heading into it. Cincinnati plays host to the Brew Crew. Adrian Hauser will take on Jeff Hoffman. I mean, LJ, you have arguably the, the biggest series of your season coming up here, and you score 19 runs. Oh yeah, this is a this is the high note you want to end on. Of course, the Pittsburgh series could have gone better, but when all is said and done, you came out here, you won five in a row going into the most important series of the year. You split with the Padres. Now you have to at least split with the Dodgers to make it to Memorial Day as a legitimate contender. Let's get into this um, Rays-O's game, which wasn't much of a game. The Rays had this from the second inning when Joey Wendell and Randy Rosarena both went yard. Tampa shook the Kremer and won 10-1 on a two-home run day for Joey Wendell. Baltimore's only home run was by Trey Mancini, his third in two days. He is now two-thirds of the way towards a bingo-bango Yahtzee. The win will go to Rich Hill. He went six innings, allowing one earned run, and the loss to Dean Kremer was shaken with three innings, allowing four earned runs. On to the Yankees and the Rangers. The only two runs in this game come in the top of the seventh on a Gio Rochella single and Aaron Judge pinch hit single. Aaron Judge was 0 for 9 previously in his career pinch hitting. This is his first pinch hit of his career. Uh, 
career so far. The Yankees, they pitch well all series. They win three out of four, taking this one uh, 2-0. Domingo Herman looks good on a Thursday. Seven innings, six hits, no runs, and five Ks to improve Domingo to four and two. John King takes the loss for Texas. He allows those two runs in the seventh. Dane Dunning, who got the start for Texas, pitched very well. Six innings, four hits, no runs, and six Ks. Araldis Chapman, with his 11th save on the year, has still yet to allow an earned run. If he, is, if he does not get AL reliever of the month this month, I think I'm going to lose it because still no earned runs. The Yankees host the White Sox today. Carlos Rodon will face Jordan Montgomery. Texas plays the Houston Astros. Tyler Ivey will make his MLB debut for the Astros. He's their number nine prospect. And uh, he'll face Kyle Gibson, who's pitching for Texas. Nothing like a prospect facing an ace, especially when that ace isn't really that much of an ace. Gotta love it. We have the Astros and the Athletics. The Astros once again asserted their dominance over the A's as Martin Maldonado hit a home run and drove in three run, more runs to win eight to four. This all came with Kana, Kemp, and Brown homering in this loss for Oakland. Give the win to Luis Garcia. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs and seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to Cole Irvin. He went five innings, allowing five earned runs. And the Astros have officially regained the division lead, a lead they haven't had since mid-April when it was taken back by the A's after, of course, they had those two series early that were not very competitive. Yes, and Houston has been very hot. Uh, they're the only team in the AL West with a positive run differential. They sit at plus 66. The next closest is Houston at, or excuse me, is Oakland at minus 18. On to the Nationals and the Cubs. Washington scored two in the first. They got two home runs from Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber. The Cubs take the lead. They score five unanswered. Ian Happ goes yard twice, and Chicago walks away with a 5-2 to two victory. Justin Steele with the win out of the bullpen for Chicago. Joe Ross takes the loss for Washington, 2-4 and four now on the year. He goes three and two-thirds, allowing five hits, two earned runs, and three Ks. Craig Kimbrell, uh, he gets his ninth save on the year for the Cubs, who traveled to St. Louis today. Kyle Hendricks will match up against Carlos Martinez. Washington hosts the Orioles. Steven Strasburg makes his first start in over a month, and he'll face Jorge Lopez. LJ, uh, I will be in the car during this game uh, most likely, but I am really interested to see how Steven Strasburg pitches. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, with Steven Strasburg, it's not a matter of will he pitch well, it's how long will he, will he be able to pitch in terms of starts two, three, one. <laughs> um, next up, we got the Twins Angels doubleheader. In the first game here, Phil Gosselin was all over this game, Brandon. He hit a solo shot in the first and then a bases clearing double to drive in four of LA's seven runs in this 7-1 Angels win over the Twins. 
Give the win to Alex Cobb. He went five innings, allowing one earned run. The loss to Lewis Thorpe. He went four innings, allowing one earned run. Then over into game two, the Twins found the can opener in time for game two, Brandon. Miguel Sano hit a grand salami in the first inning, which gave the Twins a lead they held on to to win at six to three. Give the win to Jose Barrios. He went five innings along three earned runs and seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to Griffin Canning. Really should be called Griffin Recyclable after he went two innings along four earned runs. Another rough start for him. The save will be given to Hector Robles, his fourth. Griffin Recyclable. Who says no? I, I, I don't know who. Maybe I mean, maybe Griffin Recyclable, but I don't even think Joe Madden saying that at this point. He knew his nickname on the MLB Daily Podcast. Griffin Recyclable. On to the Marlins and the Phillies. I got the last two games here. Uh, first starting with Miami and Philadelphia. Miguel Rojas and Garrett Cooper home runs put Miami up 3-0 after four innings. Garrett Cooper with a triple only extends the lead further. Miami dominates. They win this one 6-0. Philadelphia only collects three hits the entire night. The win to Sandy Alcantara, uh, now two and three on the year. Six innings of scoreless ball, nine strikeouts, and only allows two hits. David Hale takes the loss, now 0-2 on the year. Three innings, two hits, one run, and four Ks. Miami hosts the Mets. Jordan Holloway will face TBD. Uh, the Phillies host the Red Sox. Martin Perez hosts Aaron Nola. And then for the Pirates and the Braves, a Jacob Stallings home run put Pittsburgh up early, but William Contreras responded with a three-run piece to make it 3-2 Braves. Brian Reynolds with a home run in the top of the sixth to tie it, but Dansby Swanson with a piece of his own. That makes it 4-3 Atlanta. Pittsburgh gets one in the top of the seventh on an Adam Frazier single to tie it. We head to extras tied four to four. Top 10, the Pirates get two runs. A clutch single from Kevin Newman puts them in the lead. They go on to win six to four. We give the win to Richard Rodriguez. Now three and O oh on the year. He pitches the last two innings. The loss to Jacob Webb. Drew Smiley went six innings, allowing three runs and seven Ks. These two meet again today. Tyler Anderson will face Ian Anderson. LJ, I'm pretty sure this is Ian Anderson's second straight start where he's also faced another pitcher whose last name is Anderson. Dude. And last time he faced a pitcher named Anderson, he took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. That's because he knows he has to assert his dominance in these types of matchups, Brandon. This is possibly the greatest run we've seen since the Battle of the Joshes. We have the Battle of the Andersons here. It's not a sprint. Uh, apparently, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon because there seems to be a lot more Andersons in, the, in Major League Baseball than I thought there were. But, Brandon, it if you don't is... Mind, can I take my guy for the PPP first? Because I know that you have something very special for yours. Very just... special. All right, we're going to do Brandon's guy for the PPP, and then... The story of the year. All right. So I picked Jacob DeGrom. LJ, I'm not sure if you saw this tonight, but Jacob DeGrom made a rehab start 
uh, in single A tonight. Uh, you know, you can imagine how how that went. Uh, let's just say that the Palm Beach Cardinals tweeted at one point saying, Jacob deGrom is throwing 102 miles an hour. Someone send help. Uh, he pitched three innings, sh- struck out eight batters, 41 pitches. Eh, you know? That's okay. I just want to know what it was like being on the that Palm Beach Cardinals team. And it's like, oh, you know, here's another day in single A ball. And it's, oh, we're facing the best pitcher on the planet. Maybe the best pitcher on the planet over the last 10 years. I mean, pretty crazy that the Mets have him make a rehab start all the way down at single A. But yeah absolutely dominant i would love to see a league where we just put the top players from the mlb in like single and double a and just see what their stats would be at the end of the year well no i mean honestly like i i wouldn't ask for even that much i would just like to see one year it's probably going to be years from now because they've got a bright future ahead in new york right now it looks like but at some point down the line when the Mets are just really, really terrible and it's like August and you convince Jacob deGrom to allow you to demote him so he can go down and just play like four starts in single A all the way through just to see what will happen. Can you... I just... It would be carnage. I think what a lot of people don't realize, though, is like a lot of these pitchers are only like a couple miles an hour away from being in that jump to, to the MLB. I mean, the, the talent gap that, that separates baseball players, in my opinion, is very small. Like from AAA to the MLB, like those are guys who are very close in talent. And- a, cu- a couple pieces away from being, Yeah. And I mean, when, when you think about the stats that we, we look at, uh, stuff like batting average, you know, the, the difference between a 260 and a 280 batting average certainly seems like a lot when in reality, that's only 2% better, yeah. 2%. And, you know, we obsess over, over these numbers when these guys are all so close in skill level that we're like obsessing over 2 and 3% difference. So. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, it's like, I feel like we say this with a lot of games, but it's a game of inches where like this, this lasts literally, but a matter of just small margins can mean so much to both team success and personal success. Brandon, I think it's time for my member of the PPP and the story of the year, Spencer Turnbull by far. This this has had me, I've been wrapped up in this all day since I first found out. So Spencer Turnbull, of course, throws, oh, what would it have been now? Four days ago? Three days ago. Three days ago, okay. So three days ago, Spencer Turnbull throws a no-hitter. I think that's a great ending to the story, right? Well, there's more. Oh, wait, Spencer, there's Tur- more. Spencer Turnbull then uses this no-hitter to launch himself into professing 
the love, the love of his life, telling the world about the woman that he loves for the first time, showing that they have had a romantic relationship. You think this is the sweetest thing you could possibly do. You know, you're taking your shot using that platform to show someone how much you love them. But then you dig deeper into who this is. Spencer Turnbull professed his love and publicly declared his love for fashion blogger Ashley Turkhurst. Now, for those of you who don't know who Ashley Turkhurst is, Ashley Turkhurst is a fashion blogger who's currently married to David Hodges, son of Pastor Chris Hodges from the Church of the Highlands in Alabama, and former youth minister at famous Hillsong Church in Los Angeles, California. Brandon, this woman's still married to a pastor, and this dude just publicly declared his love for her and in in the fact that it's mutual of course none of them have commented however uh formally to the media but the sentiment was responded um brandon here i've got the uh actual instagram post of him holding her after i assume i assume the no hitter and him saying it still feels like i'm living the dream that i haven't woken up from yet Last night was by far the best night of my life. And truthfully, there is no one in the world who I'd rather be here to witness it and celebrate with than the love of my life. I am so thankful for you. And I love you more than words can express at Ashley Turk. I can't wait to share more about about all that God has been doing in my life recently. But for now, I'm just going to soak up every bit of this surreal moment and give all the glory to God. Soli Deo Gloria, Ephesians 3, 20. Brandon, what are your reactions to Spencer Turnbull declaring his love for a married woman? Can I ask if she responded to the Instagram post in any way? Um, yes. Not at all how I thought this would come out and definitely not this soon but it's so evident it was God's timing, God's way. I'm tired of feeling like I have to hide or live in a lie to protect my image. And yeah, it just keeps on going. So she is completely fine with it, clearly. Well, obviously, I mean, Brandon, it's pretty damning evidence when he posts an Instagram picture of them kissing on the baseball field that there has to be at least something going on. Now- what I want to ask is, let's say that he throws a complete game shutout and not a no-hitter. Do we find this out? I, I don't know. That's the thing. But, like, like I, either way, there's so much audacity, so much balls in Spencer Turnbull. I mean, he literally just went out there and said, all right, I'm going to steal all y'all, y'all hits, and now I'm going to steal this guy's girl. On the same night. A pastor's girl. A pastor's girl. I mean, I, I feel like that's a movie somewhere out there. But like, yeah, this is pretty much a movie. He just, you know, goes out there, does the great crazy protagonist thing, and then goes and gets the girl, no matter the odds, no matter the fact that she is married, clearly separated, but married nonetheless. Like- Brandon... How has this not been made into a great baseball movie yet? Like there well, that's, that's what I was about to ask. I mean, granted, it's been, um, let's see, 
May 20th, it doesn't say what time, but it's been less than a day since this story broke. Yeah. There hasn't been enough time, but I think now's the time. Brandon, who are we casting in this movie? Wow, you are really putting me on the spot here. I mean, I feel like Ashley Kierkehurst has to go to Isabella Monaire. Just because she's absolutely freaking beautiful and going to be my wife someday when I'm famous with from baseball and she's, she's going to play that from like the no comment Nickelodeon thing no comment we're not going to talk about that that's not where I I, 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 I I did not discover her from playing Dora the Explorer um but no we're not we're not we're not going to discuss that I mean I'm trying to think of some other good actors I mean realistically you need a young like a young actress right yeah but like but not too young not too young and who fits like spencer turnbull's part like what seth rogan (laughs) (laughs) we gotta all right if like it's a comedy yes but i'm imagining this is like a completely romantic summer flick you know the well, the majority the majority of sports romances are rom coms, first off. But regardless, is it sad that the only ginger that I can think of that's an actor is Seth Rogen? Off the top of my head, Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I mean, I can think of, I see the thing is, I can think of a lot of actors, but they all just do not fit the part of Spencer Turnbull whatsoever. I mean, the first three male actors that pop on into my head are Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, Denzel Washington, and Will Smith. Like, that's my top. <laughs> All right, I think we're down to three people to play Spencer Turnbull. Okay. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Ewan McGregor and Will Smith. I think either of the, any of any of those three can absolutely knock it out of the park to a spot on impression of Spencer Turnbull. Let's have The Rock play Will uh, play play Spencer Turnbull. Can we afford The Rock at this point? I mean, if we can afford Will Smith, I think we can afford The Rock. Did, did Will Smith ever get his Oscar though? Because like I feel like we can coax him with that if we write the right part. If we write him as an absolute badass. I don't know if he ever got an Oscar, but I feel bad. Chuck Norris plays Spencer Turnbull. Right there. 
Will Smith's wife kind of, kind of did him dirty too. I kind of hope. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tough. That was I, I forgot about that. Oh, don't even. It's 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 yeah, not good. <laughs> Wait, how old is Chuck Norris at this point? Oh my god, like. He's 81. Can wow. we get Isabella Monaire and Chuck Norris as the two leads for this romance? Well, LJ, they only have 61 years apart in age. <laughs> that's three. That's more than three times the age that I am. And that's in between their age. That's okay. Oh, that would be... All right. So we Chuck got, Norris could pull it off, though. We have the... Number one movie in America coming out here. Coming soon. What's the Spencer Turnbull story? What do we even call this? Yeah, because like the title's the most important part. That's how you drag people in. The preacher's wife. I feel like the preacher's wife's already used. Like that's like a pretty standard. You gotta somehow make it like a pun with baseball too. I feel. Um. We might have to sit on it. Praying ball. Praying for these nuts. You know, let's sleep on it and we can come back on tomorrow's episode when I'm back home and we can try to, you know, get an actual title here so we aren't just... uh, Yes, honestly, we we could make this into a week-long segment where we put together this movie around the greatest like absolute flex i will ever see in the history of like life yeah i mean you you literally are just like yeah i got an, a hoiter oh i got hose too like <laughs> um, i'm head out now lj i don't know if you saw but a uh, tyler duffy got suspended on the twins for throwing behind Yerman Mercedes and I'm not shocked but soft well no um I heard that Tony Larusa is gonna appeal his <laughs> his his uh suspension for him I just I don't understand how you can just continue to double down this much he's like quadrupled down at this point and like he's got beef with Tim Anderson now too I guess yeah, and you know what I was thinking about, LJ. I, I think prior to the season, me and you were talking about it. It's not even just like him in this situation. He's close to eighty, right? Like he's yes. very close to eighty. Like it when you're with a group of guys for the whole year, including spring training. Like it is a long season. That's over two hundred games when you include spring training and potential playoffs. You need to have the right sort of personality to gel with these guys. And being close to 80, you know, how are you going to gel with a guy like Tim Anderson, who's 28, Yoan Moncada's 26, also does not speak English. Jose Abreu, not very good English. He's 34. Like, yes, he can speak it, but what I'm saying is it's not their primary language. We There's plenty of teams where they have – non-English speaking players. I guess my point here is well, I mean the last time that um Tony LaRusa tried to do a team uh, team bonding exercise, it required it um involved Jose Consenco and Mark McGuire shooting them shooting each other with roids. Yeah, no, they had a nice little party in the dugout. They were going <laughs> to 
they they uh, you know would have to skip out on the infield grounders and go eat a well a balanced breakfast. I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's the last time I I can think of that he tried to do team bonding. I mean, if you share the needle, you might as well be brothers, right? Yeah, but I guess my point was just there's a lot of young talent on this White Sox team, a lot that is uh, not of American nationality, and bringing in someone like him, I think it just shows that a Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, really only cares about the 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 business side of things. I mean, no, I mean I think this this was not a bad idea to at least try. No, but I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't tell me that if this had gone well, like reasonably, he's been in baseball this entire time. There's a, there was a good chance that Tony La Russa comes back and is an incredible manager again. I mean, you know, I was really, I was thinking about this. How much does a manager really control? Like, when people say, oh, he's a great baseball mind, you still write the lineup card the same way. Like, I feel like in baseball, you have so much less control over your team if you're the manager than you do other sports. Like, if you're a basketball coach, now, if you're a basketball coach and you're down by, and you're down in the last four minutes of the game, you can say, I want to run my offense through LeBron James, through Steph Curry, through... James Harden through, you know, one of my top players in baseball. If the Yankees are down by four in the last inning, they can't just say, let's go have Aaron judge hit up there three times in a row. It just doesn't work like that. You have to work with what you're given. I feel like in football, you know, if you're losing, it's like, all right, I'm going to put the ball in my quarterback's hands and he's going to work being a baseball manager. Kind of, you just take that out of your own hands, just being a manager. I mean, you don't really have a lot of control in that sense. Like, yes, pitching changes are extremely important. And that is one of the main things to being a good manager and knowing how to uh, handle a bullpen. But I feel like more of it is just about handling 25 different personalities over an eight-month season. Yeah, that's that's 100% about, about controlling it, though, Brandon. I mean realistically what you're what you're describing to me is the very true part about what makes baseball so different is the fact that there's about 13 different guys every single game that have nearly equal impact on how the team whether the team wins or loses i mean you've got you're only going to get four at bats you can't just keep going up to the plate every single time you want to like you have to get through the batting order. You can't have Ronald Acuna keep hitting. So like those guys aren't going to be in their hands. You can't get nearly as many touches. You can't have as many impact opportunities in baseball. And that goes for the manager as much. However, what you can control philosophy, team cohesion and chemistry and overall approach each time you go to the plate. I mean, I think realistically, there's so much that a manager and a coaching staff, which I'm considering anything the coaching staff does fully as well, on, as much on the manager as it is on the coaching staff, because they're the ones in charge of them. Messages come top down. So every, before any guy is going into a start, before anybody guy goes into a relief appearance, 
they have been prepped with how exactly they are supposed to be taking care of business out there, the team philosophy. These guys get work and get talked to about their at-bats before every single time. Guys are going through scouting reports. There's so much more individualized discussion and actual coaching you can do in the middle of a game in baseball that you can't do in many of the other sports. Yeah, I mean, totally. You have so much time in between your at-bat. I mean, if the pitcher is is a setting you down one, two, three in order, you're only going to get three at-bats during the game. That's once every three innings. I mean, you have a lot of time to really sit down and dissect scouting reports, whether you're watching video, whether in between innings you're back in the cages in the tunnel hitting off a tee. I mean, there's so many things that you can do as a player. So, I mean, I think that's why we, we both love the game so much because you are right. You like, yes, you can have a, a one player make a big impact, but it's not like he can step up two times in a row, like back-to-back hitters and hit two home runs in a row. It's like, no, he hits a home run. Then it's up to the rest of the guys to get the lineup back to him for him to step up again. And that's what, you know, you have to love. I mean, it's why you need a deep bench in baseball. It's why you need a lot of key contributors and, it's why you can't have just one player carry a team. We saw the best hitter of all time, Barry Bonds. On, you know, he never won a championship and was putting up 10 war pretty much every single year. And he never won a title. It's just truly amazing how that how that is. Yeah, and with Barry, it wasn't even like he wasn't putting himself on good teams. No, playoff like, teams pretty much every year. You can you can in terms of when you're talking about who are the greats in the game, I will say, I still think that if Mike Trout keeps on this pace, I'm going to look at him as the greatest player of all time. However, I can fully understand anyone who wants to knock him for lack of World Series ring, lack of World Series appearance. Because as much as it isn't that much in his control, he has also not put himself in a situation where he is likely to win World Series. He could have left after his contract, his last contract was over. He didn't have to sign that mega deal. He could have gone and signed probably a very similar deal in New York or Boston or probably actually Atlanta would have grabbed him. Come on. Um, Any big market that has a decent team right now would have loved to have Mike Trout. And so he could have gone and gone to any situation he wanted if he chose to, but he stayed there. However, Barry Bonds was both on teams that were very good and put himself in situations that were very good for him, his ability to win and just wasn't able to do it. That's what's so remarkable about that situation. Yeah, you know, it's not because of his play. He played good. I mean, it just goes back to our point. You need more than one guy to carry a baseball team but um let's get on to the leaderboards and then we will do hot or not and then we got the divisional leaders and we'll get out of here extended leaderboards as we're seven weeks into the season now war for hitters we have a change at the top byron buxton of course hurt so he will not be tied for the first for much longer but he's tied with vladdy jr at 2.6 war uh, behind them, Xander Bogarts at 2.5, Mike Trout at 2.4, Nick Castellanos at 2.3, uh, 
Uh, and then Chris Bryant and Max Muncy both at 2.2. War for pitchers. Garrett Cole at 2.6. Jacob DeGrom and Corbin Burns tied at 2.2. Zach Wheeler at 2.0. Behind them, a five-way tie with Brandon Woodruff, Kevin Gosman, Clayton Kershaw, Nathan Evaldi, and John Means at 1.8 war. Shohei Otani with 14 home runs. Trey Mancini, 39 RBIs. Whit Merrifield leads with 12 stolen bases. Bo Bichette has 36 runs scored. In terms of on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS, Trout leads for on-base percentage, 466. Nick Castellanos, now the leader in slugging percentage at 647. That's a really close race between him and Chris Bryant. Have to keep updated on that. OPS is Trout at 1.0. Nine. Uh, these stats that LJ uh, introduced a couple of weeks ago, a uh, good piece of hitting percentage and good piece of pitching percentage. Uh, LJ, if you would like to give a little 20 second recap on what those are again. Yeah. So good piece of hitting percentage is in how met, what percentage of your at bats do you either walk or hit the ball 90 miles an hour or harder? And the leader in that is Ronald Acuna at 51.9% of uh, plate appearances. And then a good piece of pitching is essentially the same. Uh, yeah, so it's either you're striking out of the batter or you're allowing uh, less than 80 miles an hour off the bat. So, yeah, and then, of course, just generalize, like, let's just really think about that number. In over half of Ronald Acuna's at-bats, he's – either hitting it really hard or he is walking. So like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm 90% sure his on-base percentage isn't nearly close to 500 right now, which means like, can you imagine like he's just hitting it at guys so hard? Yeah. He, the ball absolutely rockets off his bat, but as for the, the a good piece of pitching leader, I think that uh, this is the much more impressive one here. Corbin Burns, 61.7%. LJ, can you put that into perspective a little bit? Yes, because the thing that, well, yeah, of course, so over 60% of that time, he's doing something really, really good up there. Like he's executing with the perfect approach to provide minimal damage for himself. And he's succeeding at that which is really what both of these guys are doing right there. So their numbers should reflect that. However, the per, from a percent, pure percentage standpoint, what he is doing right now is ridiculous for starters because I'm about to read off over all the StatCast years. So since 2015, who had the highest percentages? Of course, granted, the majority of these are all over a full season. We've got Corbin Burns here at the highest with 61.7. Then you have Kenley Jansen in 2017, Josh Hader 2018, Araldis Chapman 2015, Andrew Miller 2017, and Sean Doolittle back-to-back in 2017-18. Yeah, and then Edwin Diaz in 2018. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven seasons by relievers between where Corbin Burns is now at the top and the next starting pitcher. <laughs> that is, it's, it's, about, it's, that is 
It's about 4% between him and Jacob DeGrom this year. 4%. That is very impressive. Very, very impressive. All right. uh, Speaking of Jacob DeGrom, he leads the league in ERA, 0.68. Jack Flaherty has eight wins. He's 8-0, leads the league in the win category. Shane Bieber with 92 strikeouts and Mark Melanson with 15 saves. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Fernando Tatis leads the league with 11 errors. Uh, That is it for the extended leaderboards. We're now going to do hot or not. LJ picked one team from the American League who's hot, one who's not. I did the same in the National League. Uh, LJ, who is hot in the AL right now? Who is hot? The Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays are now winners of seven straight and have catapulted themselves back into this division race where, as we said yesterday, now a little different, of course, um, with the Red Sox winning today again, Four teams are currently within two and a half games of the division lead, including the Rays, which who are only a game back now after winning for an entire week's worth of games straight. They're on top of everything. After starting off slow, they're rallying back towards being that playoff team that they were, that World Series team that they were. So like, yeah, I mean, realistically here, especially with how Houston and, and Oakland are playing right now, Two teams here are going to get disappointed, and you hate to see any of them get bumped right now. Uh, The team that's hot in the National League, so I could have went with the Giants. Uh, We talked a a lot about them today, though, and I honestly think that, that there's a team that's hotter than them. That's the San Diego Padres. Now, we are not a Padres podcast, no, but the Padres... Nine of their last 10, 14 of their last 20. That's both the best mark in the league. They've won six in a row, which is the second longest current winning streak behind those Tampa Bay Rays. LJ, the the Padres are, they are really hot right now. And they're very good at baseball. It's just that simple. Very well put. I mean, when when you look at their team ERA, 2.67 is their team ERA. The next closest is the Dodgers at 3.01. The next closest after that is the Giants at 3.17. In this last series, they allowed a total of two runs to the Rockies. Was that in Coors? Yes. No. Or no? Maybe? I don't know. If it was in Coors, I'm shocked. And why are you asking me hard, hard questions? You know, it's not like we not talk about every game every day. It's not fair. 
Uh, uh, this doesn't show that we also have just no idea. Oh, it was in San Diego. Okay. We have no clue what's going on right now. Yeah, we have no clue what's going on. Yeah, Brandon, you're the one who covered the series. What the? I mean, it's finals week. You should what? be able to tell me, Brandon. <laughs> No, you shouldn't be asking me. Um, the other thing you have to consider is the fact that uh, I believe it was both ha- ha- both Hosmer and Tatis just came back in the last couple of days. Yeah. So that's two of their all stars that haven't been on the field, and they're still winning fourteen out of twenty. Also, the Padres uh, they are running laps around the league when it comes to stolen bases. Number one in the league with 45 uh, stolen bases this year. Next closest is Kansas City at 33. They have a 12 stolen base gap uh, between first and second. There's a 12 stolen base gap between second and 14. Wow. They are just running laps on teams out there on the bases. And not only do they steal the most bases – they're the most efficient base running team. They have the most base running runs. They hit into like the least amount of double plays or like third least amount of double plays. They are. Who hits in the most double plays, Brandon? Oh, I know you saw that tweet that I retweeted. Uh, the, the Bronx other- double plays. Bronx double plays. The Bronx bombers slash. Bronx double plays. Let's just call ourselves the Bronx three true outcomes plus a bunch of double plays. <laughs> LJ, who's cold in the AL? Who's cold in the AL? Well, it would have been easy for me to say Texas, who was one and nine and got no hit for the second time this season, but that's boring. So we're going to go with whose morale is the coldest in the American League right now. And that is pretty much a tie between the Angels and the White Sox. Of course, I believe it was two or three days ago, we used to get the news that Mike Trout will be out for two months. And then yesterday, or two days ago, we get um, Shohei Otani gets pulled from a start after throwing 90 miles an hour. That's 100 miles an hour off of where he started, or 100 miles, 10 miles an hour off of where he started the season, and about six miles an hour off of his season average for his fastball. So something's definitely up there. Potentially, the end of showtime is up there. So... They are just not having a good time right now. We were talking about a potential fire sale yesterday, and I think it's going to happen sooner or later, whether Shohei Otani gets healthy or not. The other one we have, and we just talked about him at nauseum. Um, for during the last the- three days at nauseum. For the last three days at nauseum is the Chicago White Sox, who have had their their manager – do everything he can to ruin the relationship with the team. Like we're talking, I can understand an 80 year old, not connecting with the players, but at least having a civil relationship, you, you don't have, I I understand if he's not like a leader to them, but he can be a manager. He can, he can reach it. He can reach to a managerial level without reaching to a leadership level. However, He's gone in the complete opposite direction by tearing this team away from him. You have all the leaders on this team, Lance Lynn, Tim Anderson, I almost said Tim LaCastro. Um, all of these guys Keiko. now hate him. And he's done everything he can to sever 
his ties with those players. Tony LaRusso's time is not long in Chicago, and hopefully this does not seriously affect them as they are seven in the, of their one, seven out of their last 10. So, like, they're getting the job done still, but it's entirely in spite of him. I mean, the fact that we put them in the, in the not hot list is, like, both crazy because they have the best run a differential in the entire league. Hmm. They have the second best record in the entire league. Yet somehow it just seems like everything is falling apart. I mean, this feels like a typical Mets season at this point. Yeah. And not to say that the Mets haven't had a, a, a typical Mets year so far, because they certainly have. It but, was a raccoon, Brandon. How many times do we have to go through this? No, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about the whole fake hitting coach, you know, the whole Steve Cohen, uh, Robin Hood, where he then ended up taking himself off of Twitter for a couple of months because of the hate he was getting because people were pumping up GameStop. Uh, just, I believe you're forgetting about Jared Porter. Jared Porter. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, you know, they had an absolute creep working in their organization. Then it turns out that one of well, the to be fair, the Yankees have two of them on their twenty-five man roster right now. So then it turns out one of their old managers and and Mickey Calloway, he's a creep too. Uh, yeah, but weird times, weird times. New York, New York New York sports teams just do not employ people that are nice to women. Uh, as for the team in the National League that is cold, it is the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they've won seven of their last 20. They have a stretch, LJ, where they are six for 72 with runners in scoring position. Oh. I mean, this is probably an overreaction. So understand that I know that. However, I'm going to check to see where they stand in terms of runs scored in baseball because the only thing I can consistently think of when I think of the well, they've only Milwaukee started. Brewers is being absolutely atrocious on the offense. Ben. I feel like I feel like they've barely scored any runs this year. Um, they've scored six more than Pittsburgh has. Yeah, that's a great sign. They have the second, or actually, if you don't count the Mets, they've they have more than Mets who've played five games this year. Yeah. Um, Pretty sure the 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 Brewers have the second worst in the league, not counting the Mets, and that's the- uh, Nats. But the Nats have also played like seven games, and the Brewers are just barely above the Nats, three runs. They'll pass them in a matter of days. They'll pass Detroit. Will pass them too. You know that that a Brewers team is weird because some of their lineups, like they play. Colton Wong at second, who is a a a a gold glover, one of the best. Uh, Once a gold glover, always a gold glover. Yes, and one of the best uh, defensive infielders in the league. They have Lorenzo Kane in center field, who is a great center fielder in his own right, especially on on defense. LJ, they were playing Jackie Bradley in left field mm-hmm. the other day, which. 
the amount of ground that they can cover with Kane and Jackie Bradley just seems unfair. And then when you have Colton Wong on the right side, it seems like anything that gets hit, like they kind of got it covered. Yeah, and this is a, a fantastic defensive team, but they're, they're not getting anything done on the other side, so it doesn't really matter. Um, a great pitching team as well. Well, honestly, Brandon, I haven't, again, seen how they're lining up defensively in the outfield. However, you might as well just play like a forever shift. Seriously, though, think about it. Have Jackie Bradley full-time and left, Kane in center, and then shift them over so Jackie is playing a little farther off the line than normal because he's going to get to a lot more than anyone else who's shifted. And then you basically have them playing left center, right center. <laughs> and then just whoever your poor right fielder is, he can just stand on the foul line for all he, week. He basically, he basically takes a corner of the outfield and the other two take two thirds of it. Like, I honestly, I would like to see it. I would like to see what happens with that. Make it happen, Milwaukee. Make my dreams come true. That's actually something that's been really bugging me. So, Brandon, I mentioned the other day that I went to go see my former, our former high school baseball team play. Brandon, on one of the best players on the Spy Catholic team, the opposing team put together the most aggressive shift I've ever seen in my life. Like shifts in, in the Wasserin League. We have shifts in the Wasserin League. Yes, and Brandon, did you not convince a coach to to do something like that? I was close. To be fair, I had quite a bit of say in the, the the lineup for a portion of a season. You did have quite a bit of a say, and if we'd worked hard, we would have been able to fix last year's lineup. But COVID made that not an issue. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah, Brandon, this is more aggressive than anything I've seen in majors. So you've got a lefty, um, you have a lefty up on the at the mound, first uh, first baseman pitcher DH, the guy plays. Um, of course, they must have obviously have film on him that says he's going to pull the ball every single time. But their left fielder was nearly playing center field. Like, I'm telling you, like, the the foul pull, the not foul pull, the foul pull is in dead center. The flag pull is in dead center. He was maybe five to seven feet away from the foul pull from my angle. Okay. That is a bigger shift for dead pull than I've ever seen. If he puts something down the right, the left, the third baseline, that's, that's a stand-up triple for a guy who's not even that fast. Yeah, uh, I will be at the remaining home games for sure. Every single home game from now till the end of the season when I come back. I'm unfortunately not going to be home tomorrow, but otherwise I would say we should go out to Hoosick Valley. Uh, yeah, you know, I hate Hoosick Valley, so. Uh, it would be fun, though. would be fun. Uh, shall we run through the – divisions and then we'll get out of here sure let's do it one last night here at cuse let's run through it. lj take away with the al we have the boston red Sox, the one of the best piss missile hitting teams in the league 
leading the AL East. They have a game on the Tampa Bay Rays. Then you got the Chicago White Sox winning in spite of Tony La Russa. They are in first place in the AL Central, two and a half games ahead of the Cleveland Indians. But don't be surprised if Spencer Turnbull ends up stealing that division lead too. Even though his team's down nine and a half, if you can pull a, pull a girl away from a pastor, I think you can pull four spots in the division. AL West, we have the Houston Astros now a half game up on the Oakland A's. All right, uh, let's run through the NL real quick, and then we will get out of here. The NL East, the New York Mets have a game and a half lead over Philadelphia. The Mets sit at 20 and 17. In the Central, it is the Cardinals who have been playing very well as of late. They are 25 and 18 with a three-game lead on the Cubs, who are 22 and 21. And in the West, San Francisco with a one-game lead on San Diego. San Francisco sits at 28 and 16. That series they have against the Dodgers this weekend, the Dodgers are two games out. They sit at 26 and 18. Giants are 28 and 16. Um, LJ, something I noticed here, if you click advanced stats for the standings on MLB.com, the Orioles have yet to play a team from the Central. Really? How can that be possible? How can they be the only team in the American League to have not played a team from the East, Central, and West? Especially seeing, yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, the Red Sox, the Red Sox only played two games there. This is the worst scheduling I've ever seen in my life. You guys played, did you play anyone in the NL Central, the Red Sox? NL Central, no. Unless I'm legitimately, like, seriously forgetting something. Hmm. Unless I'm, like, really forgetting something. Then I do not recall. But you know, yeah, yes, we did. No, wait. In league, how do you do out of league? You, I feel like you haven't played any. No, I feel like the only inner league you've only played, played two games in the NL. That's right. Mets, yeah, right. It was the Mets. Yeah, I, I knew I wasn't going crazy. Yeah, they haven't played an AL Central, an AL Central team. Got it. But they've played um, the Twins, Chicago, and Minnesota. Well, um, that is going to do it, I believe, for this episode yes, of the Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter and keep up with our trivia contest at MLB Daily Pod. Uh, make sure that you're following LJ and I on Twitter. He's at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora. And I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. Check out the Belly Up Sports Twitters at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast. That's going to do it for this one. Uh, Thank you for listening. As always, we will be back tomorrow, seven days a week. Content continues from MLB Daily. Uh, Yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.